Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America. And welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports. Today, we got a full lineup. We're not doing one interview. We're doing two interviews and two amazing interviews. We're going to have the very first reaction from the lawyer for John Paul McIsaac, the laptop repair shop owner who ended up with Hunter Biden's laptop when Hunter Biden left it behind. Hunter Biden was on TV kind of insinuating maybe there was something untoward about the way the laptop came public. Brian Della Rock is here. He represents uh, John Paul McIsaac, and he's going to provide a response to Hunter Biden. We're going to ask all the questions, including the status of their lawsuit against Twitter and many of the other things that have gone on in the investigation. Important interview, but that's not it. We got more. The one, the only, you may know him as Bo Snerdly, the producer for Rush Limbaugh for more than two decades. Uh, but I know him as James Golden, an extraordinary thinker, an extraordinary person, uh, great radio show host, great radio producer, great journalist. Uh, James Golden is joining us. We're going to ask him what life has been like without Rush. Uh, now that Rush has been gone, what terrible hole in all of our hearts for that. But also, what's going on in America? What's going on in Atlanta, at the border? Uh, what Republicans are doing right, what they're doing wrong, what conservatives' opportunities await You know, for, for conservative movement. An incredible opportunity to talk to two extraordinary newsmakers. No monologue today, no news review. You can go to justthenews.com and check it out. I want to give you the full time with these two extraordinary newsmakers. So we're going to do a quick commercial break when we come back. Up first, James Golden. You may know him as Bo Snerdly, the former producer for Rush Limbaugh. Extraordinary, all-around great journalist, producer, radio man, all-around great guy. You're not going to want to miss this interview. And then we're going to be talking to Brian Delarocca, the lawyer for John Paul McIsaac, the Delaware shop owner. He has a few responses, I would say, to Hunter Biden's media tour. We're going to get both of that done today. Stick to it. We're going to be have a, a lot of fun today. First, though, let's hear from our great advertisers and sponsors, and then we'll get back to our newsmaker interviews. Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer, a beach bum summer, or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door, in as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who has made an enormous impact in, in uh, American politics and American dialogue. Uh, many of you know him as Bo Snerdley, the great producer for Rush Limbaugh. Those of us also know him as, by his real name, James Golden. James, welcome to the show. Oh, John, thank you so much. Very kind of you. I am so happy to be here with you. Uh, you are a legend yourself, my friend. <laughs> if you stick around long enough, you can get that, I guess. <laughs> but it, it is fun, and <laughs> we, we have so much uh, so much to talk about. But first, I want to ask you a personal question, because there was no one uh, uh, more instrumental in, in Russia's day-to-day operations and his personal life than you, and I know He's left an enormous void in all of America, but how are you personally doing? You were just so important to him, and uh, the two of you together was like magic at every moment. It has been really tough, and um, and and see, it was more than just me, though. Um, there were three of us in the room with Rush right. almost every day for the last 20 years down here, and of course, I was with him in New York, right. and then we had New York crew. And so the amazing thing about Rush, one of the amazing things, is that we've had people that have been along for the full ride, and no one leaves. I mean, we've had so few people that have left the show. It, it, we don't, I, I don't even know how many, one, two, maybe, because he was such a great person to work with, and he was just such an amazing boss. He picked great people and let them alone, let them do their job. Wow. What a great idea. You know, yeah, and, and so that, John, that was one of the most amazing things. When, when Rush called that meeting to tell us of his illness, we knew, order, we knew something was wrong because we never had meetings. We just did our, our, our job. So wow. instantly, when Rush is calling a meeting, everybody got a gut feeling because yeah. something was wrong. But, um, but it, it has been tough. You know, I still wake up some days expecting to, to go to be in my old routine. And and it takes me a minute to realize, oh no, that that's gone. And more than that, you know, Russ um it's like a before I even worked for him, he was a friend and he was always such a beautiful guy. Uh, and 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 always so so generous, so supportive. So it's really, it is a very, very, very painful loss. And I, you know, time eases things, so they say. I hope that's true because it's not easing right mm, now. I can only imagine. I, and, and I, you know, I had, I had a few lucky interactions with him over the years when I had a story that interested him. And I, I think I did a long form interview with him about a year, year and a half ago. And but the, the, he was just, he, he was so authentic and so genuine and the gentleman in him, uh, there are very few people that I've met that I could say was, had the level of just courtesy and gentleman and kindness that, that he had. And, um, I don't know how you replace it, not to mention his intellect and his ability to get in the back of your head and, and bring something to the frontal lobe that you should have been thinking about. And you listen to a show and all of a sudden it pops into the front of your lobe and you realize he's right. I gotta, I gotta be worried about that. I gotta, I gotta think about that. And, um, I don't know how you original replace it. Thinker. He really he was. was an original thinker and he did not. And the first thing that he would normally reject would be the conventional wisdom on anything. Yep. So as a practice, he would always look for for another way to look at something. And I think that was one of the keys to his success. You talk about him being a gentleman. Look, and this is something, John, I got to see up close. 
okay, for decades. I bet. I don't care who it was. The person could be doing the smallest thing for him in terms of, I don't know whether it was bringing him a cup of coffee or, or a story that he wanted. Always, it was a thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. He never, ever looked down on people, um, people in, in whatever positions they were. And one of the things that he said, and he used to say often, is that you can tell what kind of person you're dealing with by the way he treats he or, he or she treats people that are, quote, unquote, not important. Isn't and, that interesting? Wow. Yes. That's, that's a real insight into the man. Yeah. Yeah. And that was true. And everybody, I, you know, everybody that came in contact with him in, in, on some level of, of service or whatever got treated like royalty by him. He was, he was just so amazingly kind to people. Yeah, he was. I've heard that from so many people, but no one more important than you because you were right there with him. You saw him day in and day out, and you can't fake that, right? Either either you have that kindness and that goodness or you don't, and and um, he, by every account, he, he had that, and uh, it is remarkable. As you look out in the two months since he's left us um, uh, and you see where America is, how quickly it has changed, whether it's the border, whether it's what's going on in Georgia, um, what do you think, you, you yourself looking at this now, where is America? What, what's the inflection point for America two, two, three months into the Biden presidency? I think we're, I think people should be righteously cautious about what we're seeing. The border is a mess. Economic policy is a mess. Meanwhile, the Pravda like press tells us everything is booming. Right. All you have to do is go to your gas station and fill up your car, yep. and you'll know that what they're saying is not true. I do think that people should be concerned with the direction of this country. I think these these attacks on corporations, again, and corporate structures, although some of the woke corporations are troublesome, as we've seen with Delta and, and Coca-Cola with their response to the Georgia uh, voting laws. But I, I look at all of that, John, in a different light. When, when I look at world history, I continually realize that America is still a very young country. We're, we're not even into our, you know, third century. And, well, we are, but we're not 300 years old yet. And you look at, you look at, countries that have been on the face of this earth that are thousands of years old and they haven't in those thousands of years of existence done what we've done in less than 300 years such a great a point isn't that true we forget that sometimes right and so i'm continually reminding myself of that i watch a lot of history programs when i can and i don't care what nation it is you can go to Japan. I just spent a few hours watching um, uh, a show on feudalism in Japan and how brutal it was, how repressive it was. You can go through China's history. You can go through the history of Europe um, prior to the American Revolution, or the or, or some people call it World War Zero. You can go through African history 
any history in the world. And what you find is that leaders of nations took their nations down horrid paths. They did horrible things to human beings. And the more advanced we got, the more horrible the things that they did. So when I look at America, what I see is a very young nation that will continue to have this back and forth disagreement that we have had since before our founding, and we've always had it. We have never been a unified nation. We've all, we were a nation, in my view, that was set up to disagreement. Yeah, We were true. set up to disagree with each other. We were, our form of government was set up so that we could disagree with each other and have small incremental changes rather than huge sweeping changes. And I think our future is bright. And I think we'll get over Joe Biden. I think that some of the policies he he's enacting will be reversed. We will have a president that understands the American people, understands economic growth again. But that's, we have to do our part. We can't just say it's going to happen without doing the work to make it happen. Yeah, that is such an important point. And as you look out at the the rank and file of the conservative movement and those who are uh, ch- uh, charged with now creating the alternative uh, vision, the alternative message to Joe Biden and the wokeism in corporate America and other things going on. What are some of the key? I mean, what I, whenever I listen to Rush, I mean, you guys always did such a great job of getting a, a message that would stick in your head and that you could you know, take to the bar, to the water cooler, to the boardroom, to the dinner table, and you know, make a good common sense argument. And you know, I think conservatives are always best when they're winning on ideas rather than rhetoric. Um, what do you think are the most important ideas and messages that conservatives should have to the rest of America uh, as as we go through these next few years with, with Joe Biden at the helm? That freedom is still our number one asset in America. Freedom. Because freedom, from freedom, everything else flows. And that is, that is, that is indisputable. You have to, and so we have to be the guardians of freedom. And we have to fight this administration where they're trying to rob Americans of their freedom. And that has to be our watch. We have to be on watch for that at every step. I'm, I'm encouraged when I see governors now, Republican governors saying, no, hey, we're not going to go along with these valid, these validation cards, these vaccination passports. No way. It's an infringement on privacy. That's encouraging. Uh, less encouraging are the actions of some of the corporate woke uh, boards like at Delta and Coke. But look at the pushback they're getting. Yeah, and the it's real. Is, yeah, very encouraging. And I have to believe that some of the shareholders of those companies are going to be asking these CEOs to defend their positions at the next shareholder meeting. So, I, you know, I think we just have to be vigilant on our message always has to come back to one thing. Well, two things, freedom and liberty. And if we're able to identify those things and find those areas in, in every policy, we'll do well. For instance, the Georgia um, election law case, they, it comes down to freedom and liberty. It comes down to protecting the right to vote. So you're protecting freedom. You're protecting liberty. And 
the, the liberal press has been using the word restrictive. It is not restrictive. Yeah. It is actually expansive. That's right. What the Republicans did is expand the number of ways that people could vote if they could not present identification, which is not a real problem anyway. You know, the Democrat Party, they're, to me, they're almost laughable. They claim on one hand that African-Americans who've been in this country for generations don't have identification. And at the same time, they've given identification to illegal aliens who crossed the border within the last 10 years. <laughs> Such a good so point. So they can have driver's licenses. Yep. So what is it? Is, is identification a real problem? And the answer is no. Yeah. Oh, it's so true. Um, I was talking to Bob Woodson recently, and he said that, you know, inherent in this whole debate is this sort of so soft racism of elitists, which is the assumption that, or, or the argument, because that most uh, African Americans, Latino Americans, white Americans that are poor, they, they don't think they have a hard time getting a, an ID. They can go get it if they need it, they want it. There are many different ways to do it, but it's almost an inherently soft form of racism to argue that certain classes of Americans can't get IDs. Anyone can get an ID. There are programs to get your free IDs or extra hours in some of the states now to get IDs. Um, do you think everyday Americans, uh, one, are rejecting that argument? And two, does it backfire in the communities that the, the liberal activists say they're trying to help? Uh, does this message sort of become insulting to those in African-American, Latino, uh, uh, low-income neighborhoods, the idea that we think you're so uh, incapable of getting an idea, we have to make this exemption. Do you think that's backfiring as it comes down uh, to the real streets of America? I think it's backfiring among the younger generations of, yeah. of minorities. The, the older generations that remember the civil rights struggles and remember how America had to fight Southern Democrats in order to gain freedom. These are emotional issues for them. So once they hear these issues, oh, restricting the vote, this is an emotional, emotionally charged issue. And I think they're less likely to question Democrats on it. But younger Americans don't have that same shared experience. They have been in an America where they have been, there has, they have not been sort of the, the social apartheid that was set up in America right. during the real Jim, Jim Crow years. Right. They've never experienced that. They, they've always had ID. They've always known people could get ID. So those people, I think, the younger Americans are, are listening and looking at this, and they're befuddled. They don't understand what is there. But for older, older African-American um, um, and maybe Hispanic, I'm not sure, Americans, Sometimes I think they would succumb to the Democrat Party argument just because of emotion. Sure. That's a great point. Yeah, and then they lived through a period where it was real, right? I mean, today it's not as overt and real. And so I guess that, that does harken back to memories in, in hard times. But um, it's interesting. So uh, uh, as conservatives continue to fight this messaging game, because it's really a messaging game. The law's in place. It's going to happen. It's going to be held up by the courts almost certainly. Um, it focusing maybe on younger African American uh, men and women might be a good good strategy for conservatives, right? Oh, absolutely. But conservatives have got to want to be engaged. I'm just—I'll tell you this. I um, I founded a pack two years ago, um, to help move the African American vote. And one of the things that I discovered 
that is that there's a lot of lip service about yep. um, from our side about how this is important. But when it comes down to actual support, there's a gap. Um, nonetheless, we released, the pack released 54 ads. We moved both. So I can tell you from experience, it isn't impossible. And I think, and by the way, one of the things that I would tell um, um, some of the younger members of the staff is not to be discouraged by the lack of support. You know, you have to want this and you have to do this. Yep. And you got to work and it. So it takes time. If you think this is worth working for, then you work for it regardless of the circumstance. That's right. Such great advice. Yep. And you know, like you said, there has to be an authentic connection. There has to be a real effort. It has to go beyond lip service. And I think at the, you know, in the Donald Trump years, there were these first moments where Republicans really made unique new connections uh, to uh, younger African-Americans, younger Latinos. And you see a little bit of the benefit in the, in the last vote, you know, but it takes years to build that relationship. That's right. Yeah. But I can tell you this, the establishment party, as far as I'm concerned, all mouth, no yep. action. No action, huh? Yeah. Well, that's all a warning mouth. sign. Is, it doesn't, you know, but it doesn't bother me, like I said, because what I'm telling what I'm telling our this group and other African American groups is don't walk around with your hand out for these established Republicans. Say they want to help you, but really don't. Right. Power is taken. It is not given. If you want the power, work for it. And you will earn it and we will have it. And it may take a lot longer, but we will get there. Uh, nothing like earning it because it, it's more authentic and it lasts longer when you earn it. There's no doubt about it. When you look out now, this this is the challenge, which is that I think the Trump era, era helped realign the parties and opened up opportunities for Republicans to connect with blue collar workers, with African-Americans, with Latinos, uh, with young people. But now the question is, who's going to be the next face generation communicators engagers in all of these new constituencies as you look out you've had a tremendous record of picking people and, and knowing they were going to you and rush would pick we would listen to someone in rush and go oh my god that guy's a star never heard of him that woman's a star never heard of her and then all of a sudden they're on the on the front scenes who do you, who gets you excited in the conservative movement now when you look out there Is are it, three look right now there are three people yeah i happen to have a fondness for vice president pence for his service sure and for the fact that he stood by this president who was under an assault like no other president in our history. He really and, did. And Vice President Pence held his ground and held it very well. So I have a lot of deep respect and admiration and love for Vice President Pence. I have a lot of admiration, deep respect, and love for my governor, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> of course. Ron DeSantis is simply amazing. I love him because he is a strong leader. I have a lot of love, respect, and admiration for Governor Christie Nome. I cannot tell you how impressed I am with her and, and her leadership. And, of course, if President Trump ever decides that it's worth it again to go through this. Yeah, all the aggravation process, he had, right? Yeah, you know, I'd run to the polls to vote for him. I bet. Yeah. Well, those are four good picks. Those are four people we're all watching now. So an important time. And it, you look out and you realize that the Republican Party and the conservative movement is, while in a transition in leadership, there's some really good hands that it's going to fall into all, all across 
this amazing country. And um, I, I share your optimism. It's good to hear you. Uh, so many people are downtrodden on America. There's no reason to be downtrodden. It's the greatest country in the world by a mile. And um, that's right. It's so good to hear you say that, and uh, I know you mean it. And uh, I hope soon we can get you back on the show. Our audience loves what you've done. They can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Do you have any hint of what you're going to be doing next? Well, um, I'm working on a project right now that will probably will have an announcement within the next um, three to four weeks, and that's within the uh, the, the uh, EIB operation. Cool. So I'm busy working on a project for that. And then after that, I don't know. I've had, um, I've been having some fun on the weekends. I've, I've seen been, that. Uh, yes. Show on WABC Radio in New York, my home radio station. Absolutely, you're killing it. And I was on there last night with um, Rita Cosby. I get on there as often as I can. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love Rita too. She's such a great friend. She and is. yeah, so I've been having a blast Saturday morning. Um, and you know, I did a talk show for WABC. Um, while I was still working with Rush, I used to work the weekends doing the talk right. show. Right, that's right. So, yeah, so for me, this is going back home. And I was the music director of that radio station, walked out of one studio having produced their last <laughs> music show. And then gone into, into the talk show, huh? And produced their first talk show. Wow. So it is, it's a love affair with WABC. Uh, and so I'm having me. a blast doing that. Wow, that is great, Well. Any show you're on, I'm going to be listening or watching. Let's uh, let me be clear about that. You are an amazing talent, an amazing voice in American uh, in America, and we we need more more of you every day. So, both thank you, James. Thank you. Uh, depending which uh, which way people know both, you, we're just I so grateful. And John, thank you. You you are fearless, and and the attack that you have been under. Yeah, we've had a few bumps. Sharing the truth and digging out the truth. I. If there was really a a truthful nomination for the Pulitzer Prize, <laughs> you'd have it. Oh, thank you, James. That means so much. I, I love what I do. And you know, the criticism doesn't bother me because I just, I, I can't wait for the next story and telling a good story and give people facts that'll make up their own mind. It inspires me and all that other stuff that happens. And you know, because you, you've been an object of it as well. You just brush it off as noise and you get back in the game and, uh, I love what I do. I feel like the luckiest man in the world to get to do what I what I do every day. I really do. Amazing. And thank you for having me. Let's do it again. All right, James, we will. Uh, thank you again, and God bless you. God bless you too, John. Thanks. All right, folks, that wraps it up. James Golden, what an amazing man. What an amazing interview. We're so blessed that he's uh, in this country, keeping us smart and wise and informed every day. All right, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we come back, Brian Della Rocca, the lawyer for John Paul McIsaac, the Delaware shop owner who ended up with that Hunter Biden laptop. He's got something to say about Hunter Biden's book tour. We're going to have it first right here. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. 
All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And I am so honored to have this man joining our show. Uh, he has been in the trenches fighting for John Paul McIsaac, the Delaware shop owner who somehow ended up, uh, didn't want it, but he ended up with it, uh, the laptop from Hunter Biden. He did the right thing, gave it to the FBI, and he's been under attack ever since. But he has this amazing lawyer, Brian Delarocca, in his quarter fighting for him, whether it's against Twitter, against everything. And we wanted to bring Brian on the show because, you know, Hunter Biden's out there selling books, making allegations, having some media interviews, and we thought we might balance the record by bringing in Brian. So, Brian, welcome to the show. It's so good to have you. Thank you, John. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's an honor. First, let me ask how your client is doing. I know it's uh, he's been through an awful lot this last year, the attacks, the threats. He had to shut down his show. We were blessed to have him on the show a few months ago. He such a compelling interview. How is he doing with all of the new publicity coming out the last few days? Well, I mean, you know, JP is such a nice guy, uh, and he was handling it. He's been handling it so well, considering everything that's happening. But Recently, he started talking. He just feels like a prisoner. Um, you know, he he kind of feels like he can't go anywhere. Uh, he gets unwanted attention. Mm. Um, and while he has supporters out there, which is wonderful, and, and, and we love the supporters, the detractors are so loud, and uh, they're so emotional about him despite really not knowing the fact or, or re- sometimes not even wanting to know the fact. Right. It's, it's, it's very tough. It's, it's extremely tough. Yeah. I can only imagine. And, um, and it's a story that's not going to go away. It isn't like he gets a few minutes and then he can breathe. It, it is just, this is going to linger on for, for quite some time. Now, Hunter Biden yeah. had a pretty significant interview and he did the, I don't know, maybe it is my laptop. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's Russian disinformation. Maybe it was hacked. Um, I wonder if you could respond on behalf of you and your client to the sort of rope-a-dope game he played in that interview. Well, first, I thought he did an excellent job with talking points. Um, I mean, I, I really think he was probably coached on how to respond. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that was such, the way it was asked was such a softball question. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really didn't, it seemed like she really wanted to know an answer. Um, but I can tell you that Hunter was in the shop twice. Uh, he dropped off the lap. He brought three laptops in, ended up leaving one uh, for the recovery of the data. Right. Um, but then had to come back the next day at John Paul's request to uh, bring back uh, a, a, an external hard drive uh, onto which he wanted uh, John Paul to transfer the information. So he, it was him. He did that. He signed the work order. Um, and uh, so there's no doubt that he knows it's his and he's the one that dropped it off. Yeah. I mean, you have pretty strong proof. You got the signature, man. The people have gone through this laptop and got other people to say, yeah, that's my email. I sent that email. I did this last week on a, on an email with uh, Adam Waldman about the effort to, uh, assist yeah. the oligarch and Adam Waldman said, yeah, that's my email. I sent that. That really happened. And you go and you do the interviews everything on that hard drive is, is authentic and real and any suggestion otherwise seems to be subterfuge uh, based on the reporting I've done, at least, you know, I haven't seen any evidence of anything. Uh, you recently filed a very important lawsuit against Twitter and it's going to challenge the section 230 immunity. It's going to hold them potentially accountable for uh, suggesting that your client might've been involved in a 
hacking violation that violated their policy. They have since retracted. We've seen Jack Dorsey mm-hmm. uh, say it was a big mistake. How is that lawsuit going? Can, can you bring us up to speed on how that suit is going? Well, I mean, we're we're stalled a bit right now. Um, we a few days after we filed, before Twitter had even entered an appearance in the case, the judge issued an order to show cause um, as to why Twitter is not immune from suit in uh, right. pursuant to Section 230. Um, so we responded to that, and by the time the deadline for Twitter to respond came they had entered the attorneys had entered their appearance and they responded so really we're waiting for the judge um right now to issue an opinion on our response about whether section 230 should apply Uh, and as i wrote in my response and i have a great co-counsel down in florida west harvin um we've been working very well together uh but we don't think it applies because we think uh instead of just serving as a platform which people can communicate and uh, instead of just blocking the the uh, dissemination of the article which they could have done I think pursuant to section 230 they went further and said that this violates their hacked materials policy which uh, directly implicates John Paul John Paul was the one that accessed the material, but mind you, he accessed it with Hunter Biden's permission, and so he did not hack the material. And then he uh, he turned after a a waiting period of ninety days pursuant to the policy that Hunter Biden signed off on uh, of unclaimed property. At that point, after that ninety days had expired, uh, he turned it over to the well he sought out the FBI at that point and eventually turned it over to them. Yeah, no, he did the, you know, exactly what you would expect the, uh, a responsible person to do, right? You have something, you see something on it, your concerns you, there might be unlawful. We, we talk so many times about people who ignore the signs of evidence and they tell you after the fact, oh, I kind of knew that was a bad thing and I let it happen. Unfortunately, there's a tragedy by the time your, your client was responsible, proactively did what what a responsible person should be doing. And, and he gets intact uh, almost almost daily by the left and by the mainstream media. I want to ask you this question. Yeah. No, no one's, I think, asked it before. How much responsibility does Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the Biden team, Team Biden, hold responsibility for the false portrait that you believe your client has endured? How much uh, should we assign blame and responsibility to Team Biden for the Russia stuff, all the different things, the letter that, you know, suggested it was Russian disinformation. Um, how much does that uh, rest with the president? That's a great question. Uh, you know, from the beginning, John Paul has been very careful to not really say anything negative about Hunter Biden. Right. He really, even in interviews. Yeah, in, he didn't in ours. In videos, right. And he, he, don't, he doesn't want to. It's not about. Hunter Biden personally. Um, and, and, you know, the way John Paul sees it, and I agree, everyone has their own problems, their own crosses to bear, per se. Uh, and we're not looking to get into that. Um, and, and so, talking about the president or anyone else, I don't know who is to blame. They've got a pretty powerful media machine out there. Um, 
Lindsay, you know, I, I don't know if I would blame them more than, say, CNN or or some some of the news media. And I'm not just talking, I mean, I'm talking about news media providers that I used to read all of the time. Washington Post refused uh, to uh, publish uh, a response on right. behalf of uh, Last Donald year, Trump. right? Back before the election, right? It, yeah, specifically, the response was from uh, from an editor there that says, "I don't think this will be a good fit for us." Uh, <laughs> and, and guess the truth so, isn't a good fit for them anymore. Who knew? Fair comment. And, and, and that's and that's so that's what we're up against. We're up against uh, people who are buying into, um, or, or sorry, buying is a great word for it because I feel like. A lot of the media is more about what sells the most mm. and which side of the story sells better. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, I've been uh, re- reading a lot more Glenn Greenwald and Matt Taibbi recently. Because sure, me too. They yeah. make so much sense. They do. Uh, now that I'm experiencing this. Your, your perception... And, and, uh, your perception of the media changed yeah. as a result of this representation of this amazing client, right? It actually literally, uh, yeah. I know you and I have talked about this off air. It, uh, you have a different perspective on the media now that you've been in the, the middle of seeing them perform and you know the truth of what's going on. Is, uh, how has that changed? I, I, I have a hard time believing any one media provider. Uh, I mean, I used to spend time reading as many different media articles by as many different media providers as I could, as I can. Um, but now I find it even more important because you see both sides of a story, neither of which uh, uh, seem to be the full truth. Yeah. Don't reflect uh, the full reality. So yep. it's, it's really hard to know what is going on. It doesn't seem like anyone is asking re- the really difficult question. Mm. Hmm. So when you look out, let me ask you this, because uh, we've talked off air about this. What is the important questions that we should be asking Hunter Biden? What, what are the questions that uh, the FBI the, uh, should be asked and the Hunter Biden should be asked that would help clear this up, get this to a fuller understanding of what really went on? Well, I mean, I would, uh, I have a lot of questions for the FBI about why uh, they seemingly sat on information, and, and uh, mind you, this wasn't a an election uh, surprise. It wasn't intended to be an October surprise at all. I mean, right. it was uh, in 2019 that uh, before Joe Biden had even declared right. uh, his intent to run. Um, this was way before that, and he had gone to the FBI. John Paul had gone to the FBI. Because he saw information, he saw things on there that he didn't think were right, were legal. Uh, but it, but he's not an F, he's not law enforcement. So he went to law enforcement for them to sort it out. And it kind of there were a few missteps along the way, uh, uh, things FBI said to him or did that just didn't seem right. But then it just there was no mention of it anywhere. There was no nothing about Hunter Biden or, or anything about the laptops, despite the fact that there was a lot of talk about Ukraine. And he just thought it was odd. Uh, and, uh, and I agree. The FBI needs to, needs to talk about what happens from the time that uh, 
that John Paul went to them with the information to the time they actually decided to come get it to, to now. What, yeah. what, what happened? No one knows. And, and we probably won't find out. Um, but, it, but it really is sad the way it seems they handled this situation. It is remarkable. And uh, there's a lot of work to be done. We're, we're working to, to do authentication of more uh, emails and more information on that laptop. And, and yeah. uh, I think we're going we're gonna to learn a lot of great things in the next few weeks. What, um, uh, yeah. Last question I want to ask you. At the end of the day, when this is all done and the dust is settled, mm-hmm. what does your client want? What does he deserve? What, what would make him feel satisfied at the end of the day that he's been treated fairly after all he's been through? Uh, honestly, I think maybe having uh, some of these media outlets who have ignored him just have some interest in finding out, all right, let me listen to his side of the story, doing some real research into the situation. Um, uh, it, it's really the only vindication will be once people stop referring to him as some part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Yeah. Uh, a hacker. Uh, he's not. Uh, nope. And it's so far from the truth. And you could tell it bothered him when he was on the show. I mean, it, it deeply hurts him to hear that because he really felt like he did the right thing. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem uh, in this day and age is a, a rush to judgment. I don't think it's new. Right. I think it's historic. Historically, it's been around forever. But this rush to judgment uh, about things that you don't want to believe are true. Um, I think that's part of the problem. And I don't know that there's a way to, I think just time at this point, because the damage has already happened and and people, the attention span of everyone is so short that even if everyone apologizes to John Paul, media outlets, whomever, Adam Schiff, people who said, who, who put out wrong information, the damage is done, and I, I think people ignore it when retractions come out and, and apologies. Yeah, it's so often. I, a, I don't know that there's anything that can be done. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say, John, that the uh, I said I talked about media outlets and stuff. I think what you have been doing with uh, just the news and, and the facts that you put out there, oh, without getting into the without getting into the opinion realm, yeah, is really. Wonderful. There's plenty of opinion out there already. We just want to. Get, we trust people to make up their own mind. And I think, you know, when I when I had the first interview with you, and we kind of went through uh, the timeline of how uh, John Paul McIsaac and his family handled this. It was jaw dropping to me. I mean, I didn't know the timeline, and it changes your whole yeah. understanding. And it didn't take long. It's not hard work. You were accessible. Right. Uh, it just requires reporters to be curious and want to get all facts, not just some facts. And uh, we're so grateful because you, you've been so cooperative and you tried to, within the confines of your representation, your legal obligations, to be as transparent as possible. And that's been incredibly helpful because you can get to the truth by following the facts. And uh, we're, we're grateful yeah. that you've helped us you know, try to get there. Yeah, and, and I am grateful to you. John Paul is grateful to you and to everyone who has really been out there helping out. I, I mean, it, it really... The CBS interview, one of the reasons I was surprised by it was they didn't even uh, seek any comments by Unreal. John Paul. Um, and you would think that if you're, you're talking about the laptop, you would want to get try to get all sides of the story. Yeah. Um, 
but that's not what has ever happened, it seems, uh, since I've been involved uh, in helping John Paul. Yeah, it is a real problem. It's endemic in the profession now. And uh, I often say I don't recognize the profession I got into 30 years ago. And I think what Matt Taibbi and Glenn Greenwald and a couple other wise people are, are writing is, is so true. This industry has to wake up. Stop the rush to judgment. I think you're, that was a brilliant point you made. Wait till all the facts come out. Let be neutral arbiters of the facts and then let people make up their mind when there's a complete picture. That used to be journalism. Yeah. Hopefully we get back there someday. I hope so. Well, with your help, uh, hopefully we will. Well, thank you, Brian. And thank you for all you've done. Give our best to uh, uh, your client and let him know that we're continuing yeah. to pursue the truth. And uh, as new developments happen, we're going to get you back on the show. Wonderful. Thank you, John. All right, folks, you've been listening to Brian Delarock. A great update. First real reaction to the Hunter Biden interviews. We're so grateful he joined us today. And we'll be back to wrap things up for the day right after this commercial break. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. All right, folks. Boy, I'm white. What a, what a great set of interviews. So much to talk about. So much to learn. Very important points from James Golden and from Brian Delarock. I was thinking as we were in the commercial break there, Brian's um, analysis that the news media suffers from this extraordinarily embarrassing rush to judgment before the facts are out. Boy, what, an, what a perceptive thing to say. And of course, James Golden, the optimism for America, the opportunity for conservatives, the lip service that he's upset that some conservatives are giving to um, the new constituencies of the Republican Party, growing Latino, African-American, and of course, his um, very, very strong perception that younger African-Americans aren't buying this whole Jim Crow voter ID argument. Very interesting. He knows because he, he has driven voter drives and registration impacts. He knows uh, the sentiments out there. Very, very perceptive stuff. So glad to have two great guests in one show and so glad that you joined us to listen and to uh, to learn with along with me. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with some scoopy reporting and uh, another big interview. Uh, until then, I hope God blesses you and blesses this great country of America as he always has. Um, uh, you've been listening to John Solomon Reports at justthenews.com. God bless. Good night. We'll be back tomorrow.